One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that unlocks the biographies of our guests using the connection of music and memory as a key, or maybe a lockpick. I'm Richard Chingui. My guest today is Neil Voltz. Neil's done many things in his life. He's done everything from janitor to chief of staff for a member of Congress. He's done church outreach. He's been a truck driver. Right now, he's the president of the board of directors for Be The Light, an anti-human trafficking organization, and he was part of the spearhead on the amendment to restore felon voting rights in Florida, which passed earlier this year. All that stuff is a fraction of the things that I could say Neil does. Let's just leave it at, he does a lot of things for a lot of other people. When we started this podcast, he was one of the first people that was recommended to me emphatically to be on the show. So now that some of the dust has settled for him, for the moment, I'm glad to finally get him in here. Hey there, Neil. Hey, Richard. Uh, so you've been listening to a lot of Linkin Park lately. <laughs> I have been. It's been an interesting process. Somehow, some way, I didn't get connected to the Linkin Park, and I love their music, so I'm listening to it like it's brand new. I, I envy you being able to listen to it like it's brand new. They're so angsty. <laughs> um, so uh, that's funny. We talk about on the show a lot um, how music is like time travel because it lets you go back into your past. Um because of the way that it links memories. But you're you're kind of time traveling by listening to 20-year-old music brand new that was like super popular. Um, is, does that does that make you f- think of that era a lot or does it, is it just like new music? I, I tend to see it as new music or feel it as new music. What I love is the interaction with my wife and I because she's a big Linkin Park fan and she listened to it 15, 20 years ago. And so <laughs> yeah. something will come on the radio and or now I've got it kind of streaming and yeah. I'm like a kid. I'm like, oh, I love this song. Oh, Have you heard great. this song? And she's kind of looking at me like – uh, yeah, I heard that 15 <laughs> years ago, but I still enjoy it. I'm just going to adjust this mic right here. There you go. Okay. Nice and easy. Um, I, it's like um, it's always great to share music with somebody that you know that you enjoy and that you know they're going to enjoy. Is she like – is she kind of vicariously re-enjoying it through you? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a New Year's resolution where we wanted to go see – uh, more live music. Oh, we just love live yeah. music. And so, you know, it kind of forces us out of our comfort zones that I think develop sometimes. You're like, oh, I still listen to the stuff that I listened to mm-hmm. in the 80s and the 90s. And it's just really cool. But nice reminder that there's always good music being made. Awesome. Uh, so uh, I wanted to mention, I said in the intro there that I was, you were recommended to me like emphatically, like with a lot, like just aggressively, like you have to have Neil on. And the person who did that it was Gabe Biedenbaum, uh, who was uh, then a pastor at Next Level Church. Um, he's a friend of both of ours. Uh, Gabe, if you're hearing this, Neil's here. <laughs> What's up, Gabe? Thanks for uh, the recommendation. <laughs> so um, he he, t- I maybe misremembering this, but I think he told me that you had actually done like stage work or like roadie work with some bands. Is that? Is that accurate? Well, no. I mean, I had done some kind of theater and some performances uh, in the past. He might have been kind of okay. extrapolating a couple of different stories together. He always gave me a hard time because somehow, someway, I ended up meeting people like Michael Jordan and, and some fun folks along the way, and I would like to tell stories. So. Okay. Um, so what was the musical background of your childhood? So the musical background of my childhood was kind of a mix of my dad liked – 
kind of like Sinatra and kind of that kind of that classical kind, kind of music. Yeah. And my mom, uh, she was more of like a Peter, Paul and Mary Beatles kind of early hippie beatnik kind of thing. So it was a little bit of a blend of that. Uh, as a kid, I loved Elvis. Mm. So that was... I would save money and you know get Elvis that's records. Like, that's kind of like right in the middle of the, I, like. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. And yeah. one of my first memories was was I remember when Elvis died. You know, mm. kind of like as a seven year old, eight year old, I was like, oh my gosh, I remember where I was. I remember seeing it on TV, and it was kind of a big, big memory for wow. me. Wow. Yeah. Um, is that is that your earliest memory related to music, or do you remember further back? Yeah, I think that's really my earliest memory uh, related to music. Wow. Um, had uh, maybe you know, I, I, I might come up with the, in the car like oh, a different example, but that's a, that's that's as far back as I can go. Uh, records then in your house is that how that you were hearing most yeah, of music? Lots of records. Um, I do remember the kind of the transition. I remember when my brother got the first kind of eight track. Mm-hmm. Like it was a Billy Joel kind of eight track, and I want to go steal it from him and listen to it in my room. Do you remember you know? any songs that were on that? Uh, Glass House, I think, was on that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of kind of that Billy Joel, Elton John, kind of Melissa Etheridge style of songwriting and storytelling, kind of Paul Simon. So I just remember being attracted to that relatively early on. Right on. Rocket Man's out right now. Have yeah. you gone yet? I went and saw Rocket Man. Pam and I enjoyed it, the movie. Big, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, what's the first music that you owned then that was like yours and not your parents' music or, or your brother's A-track? Yeah, the first music that I owned was kind of, um, it was funny, it was... Um, like Beatles, uh, John Lennon. Like I remember, kind of, kind of uh, some some of the songwriting. But really, um, it was Elvis. Like the stuff that I owned, I owned was I would save money and and get you know Elvis live at Madison Square Garden. Um, Elvis greatest hits like the Gold album. Mm-hmm. Like there was, I think early early on that was that was kind of my outlet. When you were that age, what was your favorite? Like what was the Elvis song that you wore out? Uh, Hound Dog, probably. I okay. uh, loved um, Jailhouse Rock. Uh, you know, I, I liked kind of the personality. There was a, you know, uh, years later, I remember dressing up as Elvis in Halloween and kind of having this weird kind of connection. <laughs> How many to years my own. later? Like as a kid? Uh, no, no. I mean, I was I was a professional adult. Uh, <laughs> you know, funny story. On keep it short is I. It was actually during the time period when you would have. Um, those cameras, those disposable cameras, mm-hmm. and then you'd have to go to like a CVS and get them get yeah. them done. I remember just loving being Elvis and people like projecting Elvis. You know, hey, give us a you know a leg kick or whatever. And I <laughs> loved it. And I got the pictures back, and in my mind, I was like, man, I know I'm not Army Elvis, right? <laughs> but I, but I got the pictures, and I'm like, I'm Vegas Elvis. Like yeah. I need. I went on a diet, and I lost like forty pounds can after I, can that. Can I get your like your best Elvis impersonation? Your best one line? All hey baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. A hunk of hunk of burning love. There you go. <laughs> um, so, uh, what about now? Do you listen to? Is, do you have a favorite different one now that you're older, or is it still kind of the same, like Jailhouse Rock and Blue Suede Shoes? And- yeah, it's interesting. I like. Um, there's a, a specific album uh, that I'll put on every once in a while, which is the Live at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And he gets into, I'm trying to uh, think of the, like there's a, a, a combination of like three songs that he ends with. Um, it's kind of like a patriotic 
theme mm-hmm. at the end, and I'm struggling here for the name of it. But if uh, your Elvis fans are listening, they're going to be able to kind of they're screaming kinda, right now. Yeah, right exactly. There. Come on, man. Well, not the radio, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But he goes through kind of a whole kind of it's list like a medley of, that goes they they blend together. Yeah, man. Okay. What is it at the end? So, but that that's Mike's it, looking. Good yeah, see it. There we go. Um, well, so in the meantime, then, um, so you were you were probably. I mean, I imagine you were too young to go see. Yeah. Elvis. Um. Yes. Well, it's useless, useless to say. Oh, come on. So I'll just live my life in dreams of yesterday. That's the king, right? There. Yeah, right. that's the reason they call him MSG. The king. He's got the jumpsuit on. I mean, not everybody yeah. can pull that off. I, I would say there's probably only a couple of artists <laughs> who can go go that big. Um, but he, it was it was unironic. Like he it, nowadays, you can't do something like that. He would just you know big white jumpsuit, fireworks, you know, an eagle on the back or a phoenix or whatever the right. bird was on the cape. You know, like it's Elvis sequins. That's right. Um, okay, so I, I other than maybe that that comment that your parents' differing styles may have ended up with you at Elvis. Did their musical taste, did the things they listened to um, affect your taste at all? Like, do you listen to any of the songs that they are, that they were big fans of? Well, it's interesting that I, I would say the biggest influence musically for my brother and I was actually my, uh, my mom's brother, my uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, he was... What's his name? His name's Gary. Mm-hmm. And he was, a, he's an artist. And he went to Kent State University. He was there when the shootings happened. And uh, his roommate in college was actually this guy named Joe Walsh, who plays for the Eagles, who played in the James Gang. And so some of my early memories were actually us going to like Eagles concerts and Joe Walsh concerts. He would open for like Foreigner. There's the and and so kind of this rock and roll thing kind yeah. of exploded into our household. Um, even though my mom and dad, that wasn't necessarily kind of their. Um, their favorite music, but because my uncle had this kind of thing, and he he was an artist, and he would do like tour shirts and stuff like that. I remember him touring with the Eagles in Asia, like through Japan and mm-hmm. down uh, into Australia for like four or five months, and we'd hear stories of him kind of being a roadie with them. And right. so it was very that that had a big influence on us. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, so so you were exposed to that at a fairly young age. Has that carried through, or are those the kinds of I mean. Is that what people are calling, I guess, now classic rock? Um, are you a big fan of, of that era? Yeah. And we, we, we do our best. We, uh, my, my wife and I are both, we, we like rock and roll music. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we like more than that. You know, so yeah. can do country and hip hop and, sure. and kind of mood music is the way I say it because I'll listen to anything. But we love to go see like the Foo Fighters. You know, we've seen them a bit. We saw uh, Greta Van Fleet a couple times in the last year. So just kind of your classic, you know, yeah. couple guitars and some drums and uh, some some screaming uh, <laughs> is, is, can be enjoyable for us. I agree. Uh, do you play any instruments yourself? I do not. I am, not. I'm not as musically gifted as I would like to be. Uh, do you, does your brother or your parents, was any of that in the house? It was not in the house. My dad sang. So mm-hmm. he would sing in, uh, in the choir at church. Um, my mom... Uh, would kind of knowingly, you know, that's funny. She's going to hear this and uh, but wish I didn't share it. But she, she, she's kind of tone deaf and not sure. doesn't have great beat. And so I, I inherited some of that stuff. So we would bond a little bit about, yeah. you know, how much we love music, but we're not that talented. So that's okay. <laughs> you might have put a lid on those aspirations a little early. Looking back on it, um, knowing that in your head, um, 
when you're not around other people? Do you like, do you belt out and sing as loud as you can? When I'm, when no one else is around, I am an opera star, man. There's no <laughs> doubt. I got busted a, a, a year or so ago, just singing Adele in my car, at the top of my lungs. I didn't even kind of process that I'd stopped at the stoplight, you know? Yeah. And you look over, you're like, what are you looking at? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what you were just looking at. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I think it's time to get to your first song. Uh, do you want to tell the story or do you want to listen and then tell the story? I would love to listen and then tell the story. If All that's right. Okay. So uh, your first song um, is uh, Where the Streets Have No Name. Uh, it's U2 off of the 1987 album Joshua Tree. Man, that, that brings back some memories. Uh, the story really starts at Croke Park in Dublin, Ireland in 2005. I remember seeing this song. And seeing seeing you two and experiencing this song and just it brought me to tears um, and I was feeling a lot of emotions uh, just listening to the song um, because the, it was a kind of a crossroads in my life. Um, so there was a combination of kind of the song itself mm-hmm. and then kind of how it impacts me, you know, spiritually, emotionally, even physically. Um, and so maybe I'll, I'll go back and get to that moment, you know, for me, even us talking about Elvis and things like that, it's interesting. I was thinking about Bono kind of took on that persona, I think a little bit early on in my life. Uh, I, I remember getting you two, uh, discs from, from my family, I grew up in Irish Catholic, uh, culture, family, uh, neighborhood. And so it was almost like the safe Christmas gift. I mean, from, from the older families yeah. like, Oh, Hey, go, go ahead. Here's war. Here's, mm-hmm. you know, um, the different uh, albums that uh, that would come out, and so I've been at YouTube's probably my favorite band. I've seen them maybe ten times, but uh, but what led to that particular moment is just kind of the experience of where I was. I um, I'd gotten myself into a really bad situation. Uh, I was on my way to getting a felony conviction and going through a divorce, losing my job. And um, all because of things that I did. And so, Can you? Um, are you comfortable talking about yeah. some of the stuff there? So, so you were chief of staff I was. for Congressman Bob Nay. Bob Nay. Yeah. And um, can you explain for our listeners the the Abramoff scandal in a in like an elevator pitch, and then and your role, and then the fallout? Yeah, absolutely. So in the the early two thousands. Uh, there, uh, I was involved in what, was, what people call the Abramoff scandal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Abramoff was my boss at one point, um, and I worked as a lobbyist after after leaving Capitol Hill mm-hmm. as a chief of staff uh, for Congressman Nay. And the Abramoff scandal was basically uh, kind of a pay-to-play um, scandal that involved uh, – Members of Congress, uh, people within the uh, the Bush White House, and us as lobbyists, and I, I crossed some lines that I shouldn't have crossed, and uh, made some stupid, selfish decisions because I was, you know, more interested in power and money than doing the right thing. And ultimately, kind of my, my life blew up in the process. Okay. Um, and it was interesting in the moment listening to that this song in Ireland with friends of mine from high school and college who I've known for a long time. Uh, the continuity that kind of Bono's writing in particular mm. brings to my life. You know, I, I thought about, you know, when I got saved in high school, um, 
it was at a Young Life camp, and I worked at the Young Life camp. And I remember there being kind of these conversations about what music's appropriate at Young Life camp or yeah. not. And I love that kind of U2 was like where it hit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, is it or is it not? Yeah. Like the truth is like they did not want a lot of secular music just so people who might be listening aren't familiar with kind of what that's like. It was a faith-based camp. That's part of my my story. And uh, and so it was fun because like, oh, yeah, you too. So if you hear the name Jesus. It's like you were pop, allowed. Yeah, yeah. Pop music today, even in the radio. It's like, hey, if I hear the word Jesus, it's like you too is probably the ones who've kind of bringing that uh, into different spaces. And so I always uh, – part of my walk was – you know, listening to U2 music uh, to the point where I actually got to do Bible study with Bono. Yeah, you met him in, was it in D.C.? Yeah. And and I, by that point, and, and again, I'm not, I'm just sharing my story, yeah. right? So by that point, I had kind of walked away from God and, and, and uh, was really kind of living this selfish lifestyle. But a friend of mine who I knew said, hey, man, you know, why don't you join me in the Capitol building? And I was like, okay. And it was around lunchtime. And I walk in and there was a Bible study going on. So there are a group of folks who do Bible study there. They did it weekly. I didn't even know it was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden, Bono walks in. So it's like there's 15 of us in a room and he starts doing a teaching out of the book of Matthew. Um, and at the time, he was uh, kind of gallivanting around the world trying to convince world leaders to get rid of the, the debt for the 40 poorest countries in the world. Basically saying, hey, the new century means kind of a restoration mm-hmm. moment for all of us. And I'm a politically active person and I appreciate kind of the stances that he took. But all of a sudden I'm in in the room, you know, as he's kind of talking about what motivates him, how how grace kind of drives his life. And so it was really interesting to kind of combine all those things together to suddenly be with old friends of mine Mm -hmm. at a really cool city, you know, where you two's from. The crowd's going crazy. And I just, you know, um, I wrote down the the lyrics, you know, it's like, I want to, I want to run. I want to hide. I want to tear down the walls that hold me inside. Like that was definitely like kind of a spiritual personal moment for me. And I'll, you know, some of my buddies were having a great time in London. They're looking over like, why is Neil crying? (laughs) Um, uh, Was this, was this after the conviction or was this? It was it was during the scandal. So it was okay. a time period when I knew the conviction was coming, but it wasn't necessarily public yet. So that's the crossroads yeah. there. Yeah. Um, were, I mean, your friends were up on all this. Yeah. They knew kind of where you are out of state. Um, did, did, did listening to that and those lyrics and that music um, kind of help you carry through some of – some of your choices there without a doubt forward. yeah the truth is when i was putting my list together there are like three or four u2 songs that kind of certain moments even getting to florida where there were certain songs and i think this is the one that really just hit because even intellectually like i love the lyrics um like i always joke that going to a u2 concert is kind of like going to church at least for me and my wife um and so the, the song is really about kind of this town in, in Ireland, you know, where you you know somebody's religious background based on the street name that they live on right. and then right. that he would gone to like other parts of the country, the Middle East or in other parts of the world and experience the same thing. He's like, well, why are we bound by these labels that, you know, and I definitely felt this label of kind of felon coming on and that a whole new thing was coming. And, you know, so this, this song kind of was a bridge in some ways for me to kind of realize the bigger picture. Um, So I was in my research for this. uh, I saw that when, when the edge, the guitarist for you two, when he composed this, he was trying to write what he called the ultimate U2 live show song. 
Um, you you said you've seen them like ten times. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever traveled further than than Dublin to see a band? No. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't. I mean, I'm, we do like live music, so yeah. we will go travel here and there. But yeah, no, nothing like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, listen, if you, as somebody who who you're the closest person to knowing Bono that we've had on the show, <laughs> so if you want to send him an email and let him know. Bob Goodwin. Oh, you're right. So, well, that's then we have two connections. So, nice. just send him an email and let him know that we'll have him if he wants. Yeah. <laughs> Can I share a 30 second story about yeah. doing Bible study with the, the, one of the <laughs> yeah. things that was really interesting? The guy who in, invited me, I had been on a congressional trip with, mm-hmm. right? His name's Bill, and he, um, his son, the missionaries. And he was a musician. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like this question and answer session open where people were asking Bono questions, you know. And I'm like, hey, what's going on with your next album? Like, that's the hard-hitting question <laughs> yeah. I asked. And Bill actually got into it a little bit with Bono. And I found it very refreshing looking back on it, both sides of the conversation. Mm-hmm. He's t- telling Bono, he said, look, I grew up listening to your music. And... um you know, we played it at church, and it was kind of like you were God's band to us. You know, and you could see Bono getting a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. with with the conversation. And they said, then you turned into this character, you know, with wearing leather and all these and big the glasses, glasses. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, and, TV uh, Bono, yeah, TV Bono, that whole kind of the technology explosion. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember the song "Hello, Hello"? Yeah, that's the that's the one that I think everybody sees in their head when they think of him. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. and. Uh, and he said, look, I always I, I wondered what I would say to you if I had a chance. And he said, Bono, you let us down. Oof. I know. And I'm like, this is an interesting lunch. Um, and Bono just didn't miss a beat. He's like, look, I'm sorry if I put you in a weird spot. He's like, but let me tell you my side of that story. He's like, we, we are uh, in Dublin for a friend's funeral. Um, and, and we're having a couple drinks and some folks came up to us and just started chastising us. Like we had this label of, oh, you're supposed to be something, you know, you're supposed to be carrying the flame of our faith. Hmm. And, and, and he's like, we think we're doing that to the best of our ability between our relationship with God. And if you think that me having a cocktail or something is going to throw you off, he said, as, and he's like, and then we did what artists do. He's like, we messed with it. We're like, this is weird. This is why are people projecting stuff onto us? They don't even know us. So what if we mess with our image a little bit? And he's like, and if we got a little, you know, beyond what the American uh, market uh, could, could could withstand, you know, or we did something to you personally, he's like, that wasn't the the intention. It was like a real heart to heart conversation. Yeah. And then uh, I just remember he left his glasses there after he left, and I grabbed them. Again, there were only like 15 people, and I ran out to the elevator. I was like, hey, Bono, Bono, you forgot your glasses. And the selfish side of me always wishes. I'm like, man. You could have had Bono's glasses. Just, he could have got another pair. And he, I- had a, he had three <laughs> pairs in that jacket, and you know it. Oh, man. Oh, that's great. Um, so uh, do you listen to that song now? I mean, that that obviously has an impact, but do you listen to it in like regular playlist? Yeah. Yeah, I've got it on a, on a couple of my lists. Probably that whole album. Yeah. Right? Joshua Tree. Um, yeah. Matt Keller had um, – Still haven't found what I'm looking for. Uh-huh, okay. uh, as one of his songs. Um, <clears throat> so, so when was the last time you bought uh, music, you two or otherwise, um, that had physical form, uh, CD, vinyls, anything like that? When was the last time you picked up an album and took it to a register? So, <clears throat> it actually wasn't that long ago. That's funny. I mean, we generally stream. Um, but we went to go see Greta Van Fleet mm-hmm. um, just recently. In Orlando, and we went to Target and actually bought 
a CD. It was it was so much fun because all of a sudden it's like you get in the car, you just put it in the road. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is it, the 90s all over again? It's not very long, great. yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was the last uh, album or song that you downloaded? Um, are we called – like streaming services, is that downloading? Um, or is like that... that you paid money for and or, – or if it was free on a service that you had, but like that, that you, you put on your phone, on your device locally. Oh, you know, that's so random. It was a couple of um, uh, Black Eyed Peas songs. Um, also, I love Will I Am. I'm yeah. like the creative thing is, is I, I dig on that. And so, uh, uh, I think it was a couple of their early songs. Uh, so like 2008, 2009, one of their first CDs. I forget the name of it. Sure, but it's kind of got a, like a Cuban Latin kind of thing flair okay. to it. I forget the name of them. Um, all right, uh, I think it's time to get to your second song. Uh, so this is going to be um, well. First of all, I guess you want to tell the story. Oh, I, I love listening. Oh, okay. It's okay. Oh, awesome. I'm, 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 I, I get all in right. the moment to the best. Beautiful. All right. So this is going to be um, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" by Nirvana. Uh, this is off the 1991 album "Nevermind." When's the last time you listened to that song? I probably listened to that song. A couple weeks ago. I know it's on one of my kind of little channels. Sure. So it comes up every once in a while. Right. Um, do you listen to a lot of songs from that era, from 1991, early 90s? Yeah, I still I still do. It's, uh, definitely when I'm in that mood, like it's still, to me, is like, hey, that's that's a cool time period. That's like, yeah. Uh, um, like the explosion of 90s rock and alternative somewhat, um, it, was, it had like a specific flavor, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, are there other bands uh, that were your go-tos during that time? Yeah. I mean, um, I love like Jane's Addiction, um, Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. uh, like, that, that whole kind of scene. Um, I found that for me at least it was also it was like a deconstructive type time period in my life. So I found myself very open to a lot of different music that I still love. And, and uh, you know, Public Enemy, Run DMC, kind of definitely got into that kind of hip hop as education kind of thing, right. like the, a little bit more of the talking about current events, love like Metallica and, and, and kind of doing the heavy, heavy metal stuff right. at so, that time period. So where do you go when you're listening to it? Um, so where like right? You listen to that, yeah. yeah. So when I listen to that, I, a specific moment. Yeah. I love the concept of your podcast. Oh, thanks. Right, <laughs> and 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 this is one of those songs where I distinctly remember where I was the first time I heard it, where I was in my life, and I was in Columbus, Ohio. So I went to Ohio State. That's where mm-hmm. I graduated from. Okay, uh, yeah. And uh, now I had just come off a year in which I, I was like, look, I don't want to go to school. And uh, my parents were like, okay, so you don't want to go to school. And I ended up driving a, a truck, a, a drywall truck and delivering drywall and tearing down drywall. And it was hard work. Um, and the guy I worked with, who was my partner, he had just got out of prison for nine years. And our team was a pr- kind of a rough and tumble group. Um, so it was like, it was, it was eye-opening for me. It was kind of life without the net, you know. And oh. so I was beginning to see things a little differently. That was right as the, the first Persian Gulf War was going on. So there were some interesting conversations about the world and how things work. Um, and suddenly I got back onto campus um, and... Go uh, connect up with some friends uh, who I knew from high school, and we were at a, uh, a little party, and uh, this uh, woman just got out. It was a it was a cassette, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, you guys got to listen to this, and she put it in, and I was like, 
what is that? You know, like that just feels like this moment. Um, and there was a conversation around it where some some folks were talking about how just up the street, uh, High Street is kind of the big street through campus in, at Ohio State. People were saying, this band was just here a couple months ago playing in front of like 50 people. Mm-hmm. And, and in that moment, it's so funny because time has an interesting way of changing the way we view things. Yeah, That song turned into like... It got played out. It got you know. There were moments oh, where I was like, yeah. I just don't even want to listen to it. But in the moment, it, it was, was like a it was like a like a parody of of itself. Yes, and I think it's come full circle now. Though that's right. Wow, a parody of itself. Yeah. That's right because it was so hard hit. And I think I, I think of that time period where there's like a lot of like corporate country, corporate pop, kind of that it, the music felt a little stale or or maybe it was just that good music was being multiplied so quick well you you're know? not no you're not wrong um so uh recently uh, nevermind had the anniversary and i remember us airing a story about it and what happened was for for like a decade for most of the 80s pop had just completely dominated everything like right. it was michael jackson madonna wow, cindy right. lopper yeah. michael jackson again um like you couldn't get away from pop and that was coming off of like the back of of disco and hair metal wow. a little bit like yeah, yeah, so yeah. like so so people were kind of done with those other versions and pop could kind of do other things it could morph and change and the thing was was no rock band could crack like the top five they could barely get into the top 10 and when you say rock you mean like springsteen right, right? and then and then nevermind comes out and it went to number 1 and i think if i'm not wrong it was like the first rock band to knock michael jackson off of number 1 in like forever wow. and so it was like this huge deal yeah um so i think that what you were experiencing at the party and other people talking about they were just here like that that was real um yeah. you could hear it playing on on different kind of radio stations you could hear it like at picnics and birthday parties like like regular like suburbia no like, doubt you could hear nirvana um and, and you're right and even the song itself has that uh like that drum uh, comes out in that bass yeah. line and all, like you're in and then cobain's lyrics and again i'm a lyric guy i'm just like what are you talking about and you're talking about on the radio and mm-hmm. it's just like it's almost like for us like it was and again i'm an older guy now but in that moment it was like yeah this is us our generation a lot of people attribute uh that that rise that nirvana had with like the shift into um you know rock and alternative like existing in the 90s that like gave them permission to play that kind of music wow. um is uh you said earlier that you and your wife like rock in the general sense mm-hmm. um did has your appreciation of it shifted since then like do you do you listen to mostly rock now did you listen to mostly rock then uh wow i i probably listened to more rock then mm-hmm. um yeah my taste now are definitely kind of eclectic you know a little some more hip hop than probably back then, but what I liked back then was like, like I remember seeing Public Enemy. I remember seeing some of these folks like, but that was also an expression of what was going on. Like like the Rodney King verdict had just happened in Columbus. Mm. Well, it didn't get the attention of L.A. Like the the that you know Ohio State's an inner city campus, and so it that the tensions that you felt the real world kind of like was eye opening to kind of start to have the conversations about race and. You know, things that we're, I think, probably more comfortable talking about now, but still dealing with. But that was just, uh, you know, the places you could go to have space with young people or, you know, or all in that, that Lollapalooza, you know, Ice tea. all of a sudden came out with a rock band. You know, like people were experimenting. Right. It was really cool. Okay. 
Um, uh, was there was there anything that you didn't listen to maybe in your in your youth that you now enjoy uh, because you've just kind of gotten more comfortable with experimenting with music? Yeah, um, yeah. Somebody, I I, uh, I worked at a homeless shelter, so what? Um, while I was going through my the scandal, I couldn't get a job, and somebody um, who was great, Emily, a woman I'll never forget. Like she gave me my first chance after kind of I kind of became radioactive in Washington. Mm-hmm. Nobody would even let me volunteer, and she was like, "Hey, yeah, I'm, you know, love wow. to have you volunteer at a homeless shelter, and it changed my life, man." And a couple of the guys, like uh, older Vietnam vets, the the homeless shelter was for homeless vets. Um, I remember they turned me on to uh, old Motown. And mm. and so I love that kind of Smokey Robinson. Like I, I remember Lionel Richie a little bit, kind mm. of like the pop stuff that you were yeah. talking about. Like I had a connection to it. But man, I just look back on those, like the the Thanksgivings, the Christmases. It was all kind of old school Motown stuff. So that that, that was kind of fun. All right. Um, what do you think uh, the Neil of that era of the early '90s would think of you today? Man. Um, it's a good question. I, I I had a whole lot more hair then, so I had the hair kind of down 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 my back. Oh, okay. And so, um, a little more of a risk taker back then. Uh, he'd probably say, I, I think he I think he'd enjoy the the neo now, but probably a little more cautious and uh, establishment than uh, he was at that time. What about the Neil of the early two thousands? I think he would have he would have been shocked at the the, the Neil of the two thousands. What's most What's most shocking about the? Um, I I went through a little bit of a transformation. Um, like some of the what drove my stupid decisions was just kind of didn't grow up with money, suddenly having access to it mm-hmm. and liking it. Didn't yep. grow up with power, suddenly had access to it. Didn't handle it real well. Like it got in my head, and all of a sudden I became somebody that 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 guy who was stage diving at you know concerts in Columbus yeah. would have been like. Dude, sell out, man. You know, you're not representing the neighborhood. You're not representing all those values that you, you know, wanted to. So I think that 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 moment, I think he would have looked at with some disdain. I think I think that that ties back to what you mentioned about Bono and, you know, him. Like there's a person there. And a lot of musicians, I think we see this with the ones that have meteoric rises, rises, especially, you know, because you go from being kind of known in your town to everyone in the world knows you and we're not wired to like to process that when everywhere you go someone's like i love you like everywhere you go yeah and um you know i think that it's the same if you talk about money and power somebody who has no money and then has all the money they can spend maybe loses a little bit of human connectivity just because that's not how we're, we're used to being. No doubt. It, it reminds me of, uh, and, and I know we'll talk about Amendment 4 a little bit, yeah. at the end of the Amendment 4 campaign, we had this big bus, and like my face was plastered on it. <laughs> and I remember uh, Pastor Josh coming up to me in the foyer being like, whoa, what was your reaction to the, you know, having your face on the bus? I'm like, I need to call my accountability partners is what that, I need to yeah, do because I can't let that go <sighs> in my head, man. That would That's... make me feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mike, if if we get a if we get a three song stories Winnebago, we can't put our faces on it. Yes, we can. No, we can't. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna pixelate my face on it. Oh, I got. I just got anxious thinking about that. Um, all right. Uh, what is what is the um, most mainstream band or musician that you that like that's popular right now that you're into? Wow, the most mainstream yeah. band, or like the first one that comes in your head. Okay, like I, super popular. I, I listen to Taylor Swift sometimes. So hey, that's you know. that's the answer a lot of the times. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, 
Oh, and I, b- before I move too far away from it, I wanted to mention that uh, you're one of the few. We're, it's great. We're starting to get um, enough of these episodes that people were having repeat songs. So um, uh, Mark Davis um, from our live episode um, at uh, – at, uh, Fine, nice guys, nice guys. Nice guys pizza. Um, uh, his his song. I think it was his second song. Was smells like Teen Spirit really? as well. Yeah. Right. So you're in good company there. Oh, that's um, cool. Mark, they have if you're good pizza too. They do have good pizza. Um, <laughs> so um, what is a band that that maybe our audience hasn't heard that that you want to like broadcast, like that you want to uh, amplify? Okay, it's funny because I was I was going back, so I, I I haven't heard heard them in a while. But there's a band called like Royal Crescent Mob. They're kind of this funk rock mix, um, and they definitely jumped out as I was even listening to that song. Royal I, I, Crescent Mob. Yeah. Okay. So. Are they still making music? Like they're uh, uh, it, uh, for me. It's been years, a couple sure. years, but I, I definitely will throw that on every once in a while. They came out of Columbus, Ohio, so I have no idea what the reach is. I, I um, but uh, come on. I like that. That's awesome. I could listen to a lot of that. Yes, right. I get on the bus. I'm familiar with that. I, I, I wasn't <laughs> sure what song you were going to throw up there. That's cool. Um, I didn't go looking for it. Mike's amazing. He does my <laughs> job when I'm not doing my job over there. Um, so, uh, okay. Do you karaoke? Oh, wow. I have karaoke a couple times. Yes. The, I guess the answer would be yes. <laughs> Do you have a go-to song? I need to have a go-to song because I get a little embarrassed. Um, so... I did, uh, I was at a, uh, there was like a, a work party and kind of, you could see it start to develop that people were like, hey, we're we work karaoke <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm all for, I love the attention and I'll ham it up with the best of them and I'm super extroverted. So there was like an expectation that was growing. He was going like, to see Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. But we talked earlier about you being tone deaf. <laughs> exactly. So you, my insecurity on that side kicks in and what did I, I ended up doing Prince, um, Purple Rain. So, so that was that was kind of fun. You swung for the fences. Man. <laughs> I'm not going to make you sing Purple Rain oh, with no backtracking or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, but are there any TV theme songs that that you have memorized? Wow. Okay, man. Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. They're, They're a modern Stone Age family <laughs> from the town of Bedrock. They're a page right out of history. <laughs> Let's ride uh, with, with the, the family, family down, down the street. street. Okay. <laughs> All right. I love that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, you grew up watching a lot of the Flintstones, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time you heard the Flintstones theme, Neil? Oh, my gosh. Right. Years. It's just in there. Yeah. Talk, that's right. Um, do, you, uh, do you like um, musicals, either stage or, or film? Yeah. Like your jam? Yeah, I love like Les Mis. Uh, I'm in, and then you can see a theme. I, I, I dig the, the, the stories, the, the, the writing behind some of this stuff. So Victor Hugo, uh, I love, love him and his writing. So Les Mis is awesome. But like Chicago was great. I, I've definitely seen uh, you know, quite a few shows, and uh, I think Broadway is pretty cool. That's another uh, similarity you have with Matt, Matt Keller. Um, he he's a big lame is oh, okay. Um, all right, so time to get to your third song. All right, so we're gonna listen to it first, just like the other two. Uh, this is John Legend, "All of Me" from the 2013 album "Love in the Future." Oh man, that just warms my heart. Uh, that that song brings back a specific memory. 
um, right at the end of the Amendment 4 campaign, which... Uh, Explain real quick what, yes. what the campaign is for. Uh, so Amendment 4 was an amendment on the ballot in last November in Florida that uh, restored the ability to vote for uh, 1.4 million people in Florida. And the history of felon disenfranchisement, the people who got their rights restored are folks like me who have passed felony convictions. Um, but if you looked at the history of how that policy came into place 150 years ago, the uh, Florida changed its constitution right after the Civil War. Um, and felon disenfranchisement was an effort to silence African-Americans who had just been uh, freed after the Civil War. Mm. And it, it, it was still living with us. It's still living with us in many ways right now. But uh, on the books, it was still – we were one of four states that permanently barred people from voting for the rest of their life. And so I got to spend a day with John Legend uh, right at the end of the campaign. And I just never forget seeing him play on the piano in front of about a 1,000 students at uh, Maynard Evans High School in inner city Orlando and listening to those kids just sing this song at the top of their lungs. Yeah. And at that point, we felt like, hey, we're going to win this thing. I think we're going to win. But it was, it, there was this, this, you know, this kid from Ohio, west side of Cincinnati, all of a sudden involved in uh, a movement that was multi-pronged, but it grew out of the civil rights movement. Like he, John Legend had been uh, – De described earlier that day as like the Harry Belafonte of our era, you know, the, the kind of the, wow. the, the the person singing songs as the civil rights movement continues, you know, and that kind of with that universal appeal that music has to, to um, break down uh, barriers and, and be a bridge to different people. And so it's really amazing to spend the day with him. We got to go knock on doors together. We did like national interviews on MSNBC and, and, and he brings all this attention. Um, and so it was a whirlwind. Like we basically had nine days. We were told, hey, John Legend's coming, you know, and we're all exhausted because we've been in the campaign. It's kind of a lot of volunteers, you know, ragtag group that we were. And we were like, yes, that's awesome. And we just gave it everything we got. And it was it was cool to talk to uh, to Mr. Legend. Um, we got to spend a little bit of time with him. Um, he's an Ohio State fan, hmm. so I ended up annoying everybody uh, <laughs> because they all wanted to prep him and talk about shop. And I'm like, Nah, did you see that Penn State game last week? He's like, Yeah. And so it was fun. He actually uh, grew up. His grandmother helped raise him. Um, we spent at least a part of his childhood about 10 minutes from where I grew up. Wow. So all of a sudden, like the common landmarks and like that that ability to just connect was really cool. Um, but I didn't think a whole lot about the music, you know, and I am a music person. But I was like we were blocking and tackling like, hey, with 35 press outlets show up, you know, and there was all this like getting the message out. Um, and you could feel the the heaviness of the campaign almost every day. And it was that song. When I, that was the last song that he played, and that's when I got to just kind of stop. And then I remember looking around. I had my uh, phone and kind of just videoing it and just videoing out to the, the kids in particular um, because my, uh, part of what I do in the community is spend a lot of time with kids down in the Dunbar community and, 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 and talk to people about you know hope and, and, and how we can live better lives and, and, and to suddenly see him, you know, 
with his music in a community similar to that, just really lifting people's spirits at the same time is encouraging. Because the number of kids who were like, my mom can't vote, my dad can't vote, my mom, like, yeah. uh, this issue in particular within the black community was very and is very um, prevalent. People people are familiar with it and they understand the history behind it. Is there a place people can see that video? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, if, if they Google it, uh, they, they definitely can see it. It's one of those things where it's like, I'm, I'm not sure how all that stuff played out. Sure. Uh, there were lots of people with videos and there were professional videographers. Okay. Um, but I, I understand. What was the name trade. of the school again? Uh, Maynard Evans. Uh, yeah, if you Google Maynard Evans uh, High School in Orlando in okay. October of last year. Um, does, does knowing or working with a musician that closely um, change the way that you hear their music? I guess so. Um, I, I think like, that's right. Like if you listen to a different John Legend song than that one, because that one's tied to a memory. But if you just hear another song, is it like, that's John? I know that guy. I, 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 honestly, that's a really good question. I, I don't know. But now I know what I'm going to do the next time <laughs> I hear a song. Um, because you're right, that is tied to a specific um, experience. I, I did – one of the things that was very unique to me was um, – we were we had chaos going on, right? And we, yeah. we were fine with that. Right? Uh, we did this press conference, and all of a sudden, it's like the, the kids, the student, you got to deal with nine days to put on. You know, you have a international, you know, superstar coming in, and we knew it wasn't going to be right. And then there was this moment where his folks were like basically blocked everybody out. Hmm. Like, he needs fifteen mm-hmm. minutes, and I'm like, he needs fifteen minutes. And then I walked by his room, and he was kind of getting ready, and you could see him doing his kind of voice um, practices, yeah. and, and you know. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's right. That's what he does. You know, like I just – that's just not my world. Right. And so I really appreciated the craftsmanship of his music in particular. Like he taught me, you know, that uh, sometimes I think of music as as a gift, you know, and maybe it's from my own kind of like – I'm like, oh, I'm not blessed this way. And I just have this own kind of broken prism that I'm looking through. Um, But it it was such a reminder that – how hard people work and what a craft it is and, and, and that it really takes a lot of time and effort to, to kind of make music that the rest of us can enjoy. Mm. And can, and that can make a difference. Oh yeah. If you can wield towards a goal. That's right. Um, do you have a favorite band of all time? You too is, is my favorite band of all time. Yeah. You know, that was, that was easy. That was quick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, is would you say that one of their albums would be the album that if you could only listen to one for for the rest of your life would be the one that you would pick? Wow. So so what happens for me on that question? Yes. I kind of toggle back and forth, but uh, um, I guess I was ready for the question. I, I'm a Led Zeppelin fan too, right? So like I, I love both those bands, um, and so. If I can only listen to one album, it's probably Zeppelin Four, right? Like, I, 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 I there's enough variety. Mike, Mike there. agrees, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if it had to be you two, probably Joshua Tree. Um, though I like, I do like some of their uh, their new newer music as well. But probably Joshua Tree. Okay. Uh, I know that you found it difficult um, whittling down your songs uh, because you have so many songs that have memories attached to them. Um, how did you approach that that refinement process? Um, well, one, I, I, 
I, I took some good advice and did not limit myself to three, right? And yeah. and so I ended up kind of just putting ten songs down on a piece of paper. Uh, Pam and I um, kind of made a night of it, and then even the conversation continued, you know. So that was fun. So thank you for that gift. That was really cool to just kind of walk down memory lane and then try to zero in on stories, yeah. right? It was like, oh, hey, this might be my favorite song or this might, you know, yeah, but yeah. it was a little bit more about – you know, what does the story say? How can people connect to the story with the music? Because it is interesting how we all come to songs in a different way. Like Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I know that the last one that you asked was Iron Man um, by Black <laughs> Sabbath. So what's the quick, like we're not going to play the song, but what's the what's the story, the quick version of that? Oh, man. So that was, right, so we talked about my uncle a little bit. So we had this kind of rock and roll thing going on yeah. in the house, even though my mom and dad, that wasn't really their, their thing. So my brother had a um, Black Sat, the Black Sabbath, uh, and I think it was actually an album, mm -hmm. right? And so I got a hold of it, and lo and behold, we had a um, – uh, you know, the process where you kind of bring stuff in and share what's going on in your life. And I was, uh, man, fourth grade, something like that, <laughs> fifth grade, way too young, probably, uh, you know, depending on somebody's parenting style. But definitely was not my mom's uh, favorite day when the teacher called and said, hey, just FYI, your son brought in – Black Sabbath and played <laughs> Iron Man to all the other students. And I just liked that beginning of the song where it's... <laughs> so good. <laughs> I can't, yeah, because it's gonna go. Well, you gotta get free back up. I gotta hear the hook. <laughs> I'll wait because it's the best hook. It is the best hook. Now, is that Randy Rhodes? I think so. I think so, too. Yeah. And then Ozzy's about to come it's in. Ozzy. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Hey, just quick context. Yeah, so my yeah, mom's yeah, a yeah. teacher in the school system. the school system you went that, to? Yeah, well, she, was in, the, she okay. was in the school system. Okay. So, uh, that, Extra that pressure to... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that made the story that much even better <laughs> you, later, not necessarily well, you, you said You said that she's probably going to hear this. <laughs> So I'm giving you the opportunity to apologize publicly. Mom, for... I'm sorry. I know at this point, you know, this is just a little little, little hill compared to some other mountains that we've been through. But, uh, yeah, if anybody looked That's at you so funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so, um, and, and that, by the way, that riff is like every guitar. Like, I know you don't play instruments, but like I, as a, as a teenager guitarist, you know, like every kid like they learn to play Iron Man. Like you have to learn to play it. It's just like it's this it's important riff in, in guitar history. Um so uh is there is there a song that you always turn off or switch the channel or whatever um because of the song the song story that it brings up? Um man. That's a really Honestly, I don't have kind of those those bad memories uh, mm -hmm. associated with uh, with certain songs. 
I, I will say that one of the things that I've loved, um, you know, with my wife and I developing kind of a, a system in the car, you know, like we have language. We've realized we've developed language. We didn't even got a car it. protocol. Yeah. So it's like if somebody says that's my jam, right, then it's like, OK, <laughs> you don't you don't touch it. You know, if it's like, hey, I like that song, okay. then there's some flexibility, you know, mm-hmm. you maybe touch it or turn it down. But like that's my jam has somehow become it developed into our language of you just don't touch it, you know. So there's certain bands, you know, Zeppelin, okay. the Beatles, U2, like um, certain Foo Fighters. You just don't. What's a band that, that if, it, if it comes on, you know you can't touch it because she's she's in? Uh, so she loves like the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, is, uh, you, you know, can't touch a Smashing Pumpkins in the car. You can't touch a Smashing Pumpkins song in the car with okay. Bam Voles, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, um, all right. So now uh, it's time for you to recommend three people who you will share the show with. And who you also think that we should reach out to to be on the show. Okay. So three people who I should share the show with and that you should reach out to. So I am thinking of Phil Morano. I know Phil. Okay. So Phil is a musician's musician, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he has some great taste with, in, in music. Um, I'm also thinking John Lai. Right. Yeah. So John has some uh, a cool story and has a great perspective on the community and uh, kind of uh, I, I know he's a he's a he's a music fan because of it. his kids are really active in music. Yeah. All right. So see, this is where your advice on on, on how you put your songs uh, together. Started... The third one's hard, right? Because yeah. you're like, okay, uh, there could be like ten other people, but. <laughs> I'm going to call John Legend. <laughs> um, actually, I, somebody who would be so much fun is is Desmond Mead, who is the leader of the Amendment Four uh, movement, um, and he just is one of the most authentic people I've ever met. And also, and that goes into kind of the music side of things too. So, and I think I mean he's the best interview I've ever seen. So okay. he's just well, an interesting all th- guy. all three of them ostensibly are going to hear you say that because you're going to share the show with them and absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. All right, you guys are on notice. Um, do you have any final thoughts about this whole thing? Uh, no, just that I have enjoyed watching other people's. You know, it's it's a really cool way to have a bigger story within the story. And, I mean, I just wish you guys the best of luck and uh, blessings on whatever you're going to do next. And mm. I'm grateful to be on the show. Thanks, Neil. Awesome. We make this show in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University. Mike Canary is the co-creator, host, and producer. Tara Callaghan is our online content producer. Chris Duffis is our executive producer. And our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Muggy House Studio in St. Pete. Just a reminder to our fans, please swing by iTunes and give us a review, or like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram, or do all three. It really helps us out. My parting tune this week comes with a shout-out to Gabe Biedenbaugh who I mentioned was one of the people to hear the pilot episode of this show before we officially released anything and recommended Neil to me. A few years ago, he invited me to join him and some friends to go to a concert across the state for a band that I didn't know about back then. He assured me that they were number one on iTunes huge. They were. That I definitely had heard their most popular song. I hadn't. And despite the sea of teenage girls there to see them, the band was not a teen pop act. They weren't. The band was Walk the Moon, and they put on a show. The venue was packed and hot, and they were handing out water, and we were all jumping and singing, and the raw positivity of the band was inescapable. It's something I never would have gone to if I hadn't been invited, and whenever I hear their big hit, Shut Up and Dance With Me, 
I remember that show, the friends I went with, the energy, the desperate heat of that room, and the ringing in my ears on the way home. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. I'm a man of steel And my heart's still real Can't take that away